Test, test. Okay. It's 12 Enough, the Wilderness Edition, with your host, Jonathan Malone. 12 Enough is a podcast of Christian faith and culture in the modern age. Your host, Jonathan Malone, is the pastor of the First Baptist Church of East Greenwich, Rhode Island. There's no guest host. You're the, you're the guest host. Welcome. Welcome to my show. This podcast is brought to you by My Front Tuck, Into a Handspring, Running Off, Round Off, Turn, and... Oh! I didn't stick the landing. And we're back. I really tried to stick that landing and uh, pulled something in my back. Podcasting is dangerous. It's very dangerous, but I wanted to give you my best. We're, uh, we're going to hear another wilderness episode. I've uh, been doing these for a bit now. I'm gonna, this one's going to be a, a bit sm- shorter. I'm going to give you one part of the next chapter or the next trip, which is on flexibility. So again, these are all from the hiking that I did a couple summers ago in the Adirondacks, uh, where I was able to hike all 46 high peaks. So um, a lot of different kinds of experiences, that kind of thing. So this episode is on flexibility, flexibility, and how important flexibility is for hiking. So thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoy this installment of the Wilderness Edition. And always, let me know what you think, 12enough at gmail.com. Trip four, flexibility. Obviously, once you have some basic physical flexibility when hiking, you don't have to be a contortionist, but you should be able to take big steps, crawl on the ground, and successfully land at least one backflip from a standing position, you know, just in case. There are big rocks to climb up and down, fallen trees to crawl over and under, river rocks to jump to, praying that you don't fall in, and bears to run away from. The trails in the Adirondacks are rigorous and rugged and demands one to be able to twist and turn with each step. Your body needs to be appropriately flexible at a basic physical level. This is not the flexibility that challenged me on on this journey. More than physical flexibility is the flexibility of the mind and intent that is required when plans change, when things happen, when the image that I have of what the whole experience is supposed to look like does not meet the reality of what actually happens, when things are slow, when people get sick, when we miss the trail, when we get lost. What does one do? How does one be and stay flexible in the wilderness when plans do not come to full fruition? Day one, going slow. I tend to be fast. I get in a groove. I find a rhythm, and I start to really move, and the tempo is in between an allegretto and a presto. Only once did some other hikers catch up with me when I was meandering down from Mount Allen, but then I pushed into high gear, and they never had the opportunity to get in front of me. Uh, Not that it's a competition or a race, 
but I'll be damned if I let some hikers show me up, suggesting that I am quick and nimble on my feet. But it isn't a competition. It isn't a race. I just like to be first. I tend to fly on the trail, leaping from rock to rock, avoiding roots, pushing myself to keep up the pace on the steep parts of the trail and almost running down the other steep sections. Sometimes hiking at the speed is fun, verging on the edge of dangerous, and sometimes it is for the sake of survival, like when I'm trying to avoid something like a swarm of mosquitoes right behind me. There have been times when I've tried to slow down as best I could because the trail was wet and slippery, or because I was getting tired and starting to hike stupid and found myself falling more than usual. Sometimes I needed to just slow down so that my body could rest and I could enjoy the hike. There were times when I deliberately hiked with someone that I just met, and it was not just for the conversation and the, and the companionship, but also so that I could slow down and hike at a normal pace. My regular pace is something that I know I can and at times should slow down, but my struggle with my hiking pace is not what I think about when considering the challenge of flexibility that is needed in the wilderness. I share this background about my hiking pace so that the reader has a sense what the level of flexibility that I need to exhibit. It, it is not my desire to slow down. It is when others slowed me down more than I desired that I was challenged. About half my hikes were with other people. And when my hiking partner was slower than I anticipated, then I found I needed to be able to stretch and bend in ways that I was not always used to. When a two to three hour hike is taking six hours, then I need to be flexible. On my first trip with Stillwaters, which was also my first trip into the mountains for this journey, inaugurating the overall experience, we had some very ambitious plans for hiking. We planned on hiking three mountains in one day, the Santanoni Range, hiking out to the car, driving to another trailhead, then hiking into another camping area all in the same day. This is an ambitious plan for hikers in top physical condition. As this was for both of us the first hike of the season, we were not in our top physical condition. Our eyes were bigger than the plate, much bigger, about the size of the whole damn buffet, and we found that we could not do it. The day was cold and rainy, a difficult day for hiking. We were going slowly. We were going very slowly. It only took a couple of hours to realize that our ambitious hopes for a hike were not going to come to fruition. My frustration rose as the weather did not improve and as we slowed even more in our pace. I believed I could go faster, even though it really may not have been wise to do so. But Stillwaters was on his first hike, had not been prepping in the same way that I had been, needed a different tempo for each step and employed a greater level of caution. We were taking longer than we anticipated. By 3 p.m. we had only summited one mountain and were just having lunch. We still had two more mountains to climb and had to come to terms with the reality that our ambitious plans would not come to fruition. I was still thinking that maybe if we were hiking at a faster rate, we might have a chance to do everything we hoped and was frustrated. On this side of the journey, if I could go and meet the younger, inexperienced me, I would offer a severe and, de and deliberate dope slap along the back of my head and told the younger me that the original plan was crazy and on the edge of stupid and I should just let it go. We had to accept that we would not be able to accomplish what we originally hoped. 
At the time, I was holding on to the ideal that we could do more than normal even on our first hike for the entire journey. Our original plan was not one that I would attempt even if I had been hiking for weeks and was in prime condition, yet at the time I did not know how foolish I was being. All I knew was that we had a plan and we were not moving at a pace where it seemed that we were going to be able to keep to that plan. And I was frustrated. Having to adjust my pace and my expectations was not easy for me. Letting go of the hope, the expectations, the plan was not easy for me. The rest of my summer had been planned. The the mountains would be climbed, but only if I keep to the plan, get to the peaks that I have anticipated and did not waver at all. And here I was, the first trip in, and I was going to have to change my plans. The flexibility that I had to exhibit was not only with the immediate trip, but was with my hopes and designs for the entire summer. My flexibility was only on the surface, but came directly into contact with a deeper frustration and worry. Would I be able to climb all the mountains if I changed my plan? I really enjoyed my journey with the photographer. Not because of what we saw, the same old fantastic and beautiful mountains, but largely because of his presence. Yet hiking with the photographer also called on me to be very flexible with my expectations and plans for the trip. The photographer was slow. He had never been to the Adirondacks before. He did not know what to expect. The photographer had done some hiking and backpacking back in the day, and so assumed that he would be fine with this little jaunt in the wilderness and up a few mountains. The photographer was a friend from years ago, a colleague in ministry who flew all the way from Arizona to join me on this trip. I had high hopes of us making good miles each day, climbing multiple mountains and sharing wonderful vistas, all while reminiscing about the past and enjoying healthy debate about God, discussing deep and profound questions about the future, and enjoying a nip of two of whiskey at the end of each day. I will admit that I had planned on a somewhat ambitious hike, but it was one that I'd done before and believed was possible. After all, the photographer had told me that he had done some hiking before, so I thought he knew what he was in for and all would be fine. I'd planned on us hiking the first day into Livingston Point lean-to, about six and a half miles, and that would be our base camp. The next day, having a long but rewarding hike, climbing three mountains and going through the, the amazing and breathtaking Avalanche Pass. And then the third day, to take it easy and just climb one mountain. The final day, we would hike out back to the car, full of a sense of accomplishment. It should be a full and fantastic trip that we would laugh about for years to come. It was going to be a journey that we would tell our grandchildren. Songs would be written about the amazing experiences of Sabbath and the photographer. But first, we needed to get to Livingston Point, our base camp. It did not take me long to realize that I was going to have to change my plans. The hike in from the car to the lean-to was slow. It was much slower than I anticipated. It was much, much slower than I had anticipated. We left the car at 3 p.m. and had about six and a half miles to hike. I planned on us getting to the lean-to by supper time around 6 p.m. at the latest, giving us about three hours to make the initial hike. Yet we were taking longer and longer, going slower and slower, and it was obvious that we were not going to make it to Livingston Point for supper. 
I'd started, I had to start thinking about ways to help the photographer so he can quicken his pace. Whatever he did back in the day was not enough to make a difference today. His pack was heavy with at least seven pounds of camera equipment, a lightweight folding chair, a coffee filter and press, a selfie stick, and other fun gadgets that I would describe as luxury items. These were things that the photographer at first spoke about with a sense of joy, expressing how they would make the whole experience so much better, but by the third mile would end up cursing those things which weighed him down. I was in my third month of hiking in the wilderness, and the gear in my pack was now down to the essentials. I am not an ultralight hiker, but I am efficient. I do not have a coffee press or a chair or any camera equipment. I have a deck of playing cards, a small candle lantern, and that, that's it. Those are my luxury items. My first thought was for us to switch packs to see if my lighter pack would help the photographer's pace. It only helped a little, and the hour was going late, and the pace was not quickening. I was not sure how I could help the photographer with the speed, and then decided that the best would be for me to take one pack, hike for about a mile or so, put the pack down, hike back to where the photographer was hiking, take the pack he had, and then hike with him to the place where the first pack was stashed, and then go about a mile further. Then I would put that pack down, go back to where the first pack was, hoping the photographer may have picked it up to bring it a little closer to me, and then continue leapfrogging with the packs. This is not ideal hiking. It is not the best way to encounter the wilderness, and yet it worked, even though I ended up doing the majority of the trail three times with full pack. This is not what one envisions when hiking, especially not what I thought about hiking with the photographer. I had such grand visions, one of drinks and heroic stories, and had to let go of those hopes. It was 9 p.m. when we finally got to the lean-to and had supper, which is a little past what I may describe as a decent time to be eating. It's not horrible, but not great. I wonder, if I did not change my tactics the way I was hiking with the photographer, would we have gotten to the lean-to before sunrise? After this initial hike-in, just to the lean-to, I knew that the plans I had for the next day were not realistic for the photographer. I had begun to rethink things. Instead of the long 12-mile, three-mountain day, we were just going to climb two mountains, Iroquois and Algonquin, and take a faster, shorter route up and down the mountains. The day started off well, with good cheer and lots of fancy photos, but quickly slowed as we began the ascent. By lunchtime, we had maybe made it halfway up the mountain, and I was changing plans again. I originally hoped to have lunch on top of the mountain, but this did not seem to be within the realm of possibility with our current pace. The photographer was having a difficult time wheezing and drawing deep for breath. In order for me to keep working towards my goal of climbing all 46 mountains that summer, I needed to ascend the two mountains, Iroquois and Algonquin. Yet it did not look like that was going to be possible for the photographer, and I had to make some more changes in my plans. I decided that it might be best for the photographer to just climb one mountain, Algonquin, and I would climb the second, Iroquois, while he was on his way up or down Algonquin. I would quickly run off and climb one, one other mountain and then run back and catch up with the photographer. About two hours later, we were still going at a very slow pace and not yet made it up to the top of the first mountain, and I felt that I needed to make another decision. 
In order to accomplish the big goal of the overall summer trip, I really needed to climb both Algonquin and Iroquois, but it did not see it as possible with the photographer's pace that we would arrive at the summit of either mountain. However, I wearily was not thrilled with the notion of running ahead and leaving the photographer struggling up the mountain. When someone has agreed to hike with me, especially someone who has not had any experience in the Adirondacks, I don't like leaving that person mid-trail. The individual agreed to hike with me because I assured him or her that I would be good with them, and I would do everything that I could to make sure all was safe and good. I also really enjoyed hiking with the photographer and wanted to spend time with him. But turtles and snails were passing us up the mountain, and I had bigger plans that I needed to keep in mind. I had to climb all 46 mountains, or I would never get the beloved 46er patch in number. I had 46 mountains to climb, or I would not have accomplished my sabbatical goal, and I would also have to live with the rest of my life with the stigma that I failed in my sabbatical and that it was all the photographer's fault. The resentment would grow and our friendship would crumble and angry letters would be exchanged and we would pass the feud to our children and we would be starting a generation-long rift and rivalry between us and our families and the churches that we would, would serve. And the kind of rift that would rival the Hatfields and the McCoys, the Benedictines and the Dominicans, the Baptists and themselves. This was a real conundrum that I was facing. After talking to the photographer, we decided that I would go ahead, climb out Iroquois and then Algonquin, and hopefully I would meet the photographer either on the top of Algonquin or on my way back down. The photographer assured me that he would be fine. The trail was well marked. There were multiple people passing us going up and down, and he had plenty of food and water. As much as I did not want to lead the photographer, it did feel good to start hiking at my own pace to stretch out my legs and speed up the mountain. I, I did try to take my time. On the peak of Iroquois, I tried to rest and take it slow and give myself as much time enjoying the summit views as possible, with the hope that I would meet the photographer on the way up Algonquin. I wanted to enjoy the summit with the photographer, but as I went from Iroquois and then up Algonquin, I did not see him. I spent some time on the top of the second highest peak in New York, prayed, had a snack and a drink, but still did not see the photographer. Then I started my way down Algonquin, assuming that the photographer was not going to make it up the mountain at all, and a little disappointed at this notion. Just before I went below the tree line, I saw him, slowly making his way up the trail. He was so close to the top that I was not going to tell him that he needed to turn around. I went back up the mountain with him to celebrate with him what was an amazing achievement and to give him time to rest. I think he appreciated the view, but the photographer seemed to just too exhausted to really notice. The trek down took almost as long as it took to climb the mountain. We eventually got back to the lean-to at 11.30 p.m. The next day, the photographer did no hiking at all, and I went and climbed Mount Allen. These were nowhere near my original plans, but still worked out very well. Hiking with a photographer was a good exercise in flexibility. Just as with other trips, I was carrying a lot of expectations and ideas of what the trip was going to be like and what we were going to accomplish. I had to let go of what I hoped for and wrestle with what was realistic. 
The struggles that the photographer faced in hiking demanded that I face reality and let go of my own designs and desires. He was carrying actual physical weight, and I was carrying a sense of what a good trip would look like. We were both carrying more than we should have been through assumptions and personal wants and desires, and the more we strove to just make it work, to force things into what we thought would be best, the more it hurt. Being flexible in the wilderness requires creativity and compromise and listening. It requires listening to what is working and what is not working and striving to know when to stop, to step back and make a change. When I go into the wilderness, I try to have a plan of what I hope to accomplish and prepare for that plan accordingly. It is important to have a plan for safety so that the trip will go well. Yet when things take longer or obstacles of various sorts get in the way, I get frustrated and I am feeling the weight of my expectations putting down on my shoulders and back. It is the frustration that obstructs my flexibility and weighs me down. My frustration comes out of and and feeds a stubborn desire to have everything exactly as I think it should be, and this is not safe in the wilderness. It was with people that the frustrations were the greatest, And at the same time, it was with people that I found it easiest to let go of my frustrations. With still waters, we took our time, and it was in the midst of some very difficult hiking. I may have wanted to go at a faster pace, and maybe I could have gone at a faster pace, but I was not hiking alone. I needed to take into account my hiking partner, and I adjusted and compromised and was probably safer. I learned to not make grandiose plans without a possible bailout. With the photographer, it was in being flexible that I experienced parts of the trail with a little more focus than I would have by myself. We went at a much slower pace, which meant I had the opportunity to meet more people on the trail than I may have if I was hiking solo. We were taking every opportunity possible to have good conversation. The photographer needed more moments to pause and rest, and I worked to make sure we had those moments. Compassion and relationality guided my responses. The desire to stay in connection with the person I was hiking with informed my flexibility. If I were alone, I would have pushed myself more, looked to go further, and adopted little to no sense of flexibility. The other brought out what I thought was a compassionate pragmatism that fed me in ways that I would not have anticipated otherwise. I thought I was being pragmatic and changing the pace and taking more breaks. I needed to make sure my hiking partner could stay with me. It was more than pragmatic. The changing pace, the flexibility was a gift. With a slower pace, with more breaks, I had the opportunity to see things that I may not have if I was hiking alone. I was able to experience the wilderness differently than if I was alone. I will say that I get frustrated with people who are slow, but I also recognize that different people hike in different ways and that there is good in slowing down, a good that is found even in the, the demand to change my plans and accommodate for the pace. I was called to experience the wilderness in a different way, to take my time with the wilderness and not force the experience to meet my own desires and expectations. This was a gift that came out of being flexible. From William Sloan Coffin, Jr., read at Panther Mountain. We come to you in patience, confessing our sins, the vows we have forgotten, 
the opportunities we have let slip, the excuses whereby we have sought to deceive ourselves in you. Forgive us that we talk so much and are silent so seldom, that we are in such constant motion and are rarely still, that we depend so implicitly on the effectiveness of our organization and so little on the power of your spirit. Teach us to wait upon you, that we may renew our strength, mount up with wings as eagles, run and not be weary, walk and not faint. William Sloan Coffin, Panther Mountain. Well, there it is. There you have it. The first part of flexibility with hiking in this wilderness edition. Like I said, a little shorter. Um, I think that's okay. I think it'll be okay. In part, that's just so I can get this episode out. I have a lot of things on my plate right now. We're in the high in the Advent season, which means I'm supposed to be busier than normal. I guess I should be. I should start signing those cards and sending them out to people. But you know what? What if I send out the Christmas cards after Christmas? Wouldn't that be more appropriate? Like Christmas has happened, so I hope it was good. Here's a card to celebrate what you just experienced. I don't think I can get away with that, but, you know, maybe. Maybe I'll send out Christmas cards all year round. Wouldn't that be a nice surprise? You get a Christmas card from your pastor in August. Again, maybe not. Anyways, thanks for listening to this episode, this Wilderness Edition. Uh, please do send me your comments about especially the, these Wilderness Editions. Let me know what you think about them, if you think they're great. If you don't, if you think, like, you know, it's just kind of an egotistic, egotistical, narcissistic, self-serving project, well, welcome to podcasting. That's what we do. Well, let me know. You can let me know by sending an email to 12enough at gmail.com. That's written out, 12enough to gmail.com. I got a number of good um, emails from the last episode about the Mountain Goats. Thank you for some of those um, emails and some suggestions on different songs that I missed. But they were all written nicely. Thanks for that. You can also go to Facebook, um, Facebook slash 12 Enough, uh, where you can leave other kind of comments on that page. You can follow me on Twitter at Pastor Malone. That's my Twitter handle. Uh, and then you could always go to the show page, 12 Enough. And remember, 12 is always written out. So, have a good Christmas. Have a good uh, epiphany. Have an enjoyable baptism of our Lord. And all those other fun little holidays that we have in the Christian calendar. And you know what? If you're not Christian, that's okay. Have a great day for you. Take a you day. Say, this day is you day. Well, for you, it's a me day. Regardless, thank you very much for listening. 12 Enough is a podcast about Christian faith and culture in the modern age. Your host was Jonathan Malone, the pastor of the First Baptist Church of East Greenwich, Rhode Island. The thoughts, the opinions, ruminations, the ideas about flexibility and hiking and going slow and slower and slower do not reflect the pastor, do not reflect his church, his denomination, his family, his friends, any kind of other connections that he might have, the photographers, Stillwaters, or anyone else, if you even know who they are. These are their own, his own ideas. This is his, is his podcast. <laughs>